What's going on, everybody? Caleb Carter here, and you are listening to the Royal Pursuit Podcast. And today is a new day, and a new day brings a new conversation. In today's conversation, we're going to take a look at this tension that the Bible creates between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Specifically, this idea about remembering our past, but at the same time, we get to forget our past. Expect to have a conversation about guilt and shame, and what are we supposed to do with these things? This conversation is going to be a lot of fun, so let's jump on in. Okay, well, let's jump in. So what on earth is going on with the Bible telling me I need to forget my past, but I also need to remember it at the exact same time? What on earth is actually going on? And it's a great question. And before we get to talking about that and what the Bible says about our past, we need to understand a few things. And before that, I want to make sure I liberate you. I want to make sure I continue to beat this drum that you are free to question the scriptures. You're not going to break them. They are not fragile. So every time you step in to read the word, you need to be able to ask questions and, and ponder and think. Don't just knock your morning Bible reading out because you're supposed to. Even if you have 15 minutes, stop and reflect and consider what's going on here. How does it tie in to the other stories and the teachings of Jesus? What, what does this all mean? Because that's going to be really important for this conversation. You have to understand that when people go to the text and they come up with an idea and they go and teach it or they preach it from a pulpit, they're really only doing one of two different things. We call it expository preaching or topical preaching. And the two are very different, but they're trying to get to the same purpose, which is teaching you the word and giving you instruction about who Jesus is and what does that mean for us. And so expository preaching, in essence, what that means is they're looking at the text as if they were the original reader, as if they were picking up this letter from the New Testament and it was written by Paul. What was Paul meaning to those people in that time? So an easy, quick example would be taking a passage like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a great passage, and a lot of people use it for inspirational purposes to encourage, um, but to To teach or to study in an expository way, you would have to take all the context of the book of Philippians and understand what was going on in that time, what are the passages around that verse saying, to truly understand its true original meaning. But then you have that passage, and it's kind of got this extra layer of meaning as it starts getting connected to different scriptures throughout the Bible. And as you start putting those themes together, you come up with this idea and you preach on it, or you teach on it, or you discuss it. And that's a topical idea. And that's why we're talking about it today, is this idea to forget the past and to remember it is a topical idea. It's something that I see in the scriptures when I read the Old Testament and when I read the New Testament. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump in and take a look at what I think I'm seeing in the Bible. And I want you to be able to consider and to think deeply man, I can see what he's saying here. I can see these themes present all throughout the scriptures. And so to save time, we're going to go ahead and jump in and take a look at this idea that starts in Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is a cool book of the Bible because it's Moses's last hurrah. You see, Moses was the guy that led the Israelites 
out of Egypt. They were in slavery. But because they weren't ready to go into the promised land, because they were already sinning right out the gate and messing up, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now that's all over and they're at the edge. They're standing at the precipice. They're about to go into the promised land after 40 years. Moses doesn't get to go along with them. And so he's giving his farewell address. And I want you to picture it as if you had a child who was about to go to college and you were terminally ill. And you knew that when they left, you were never going to see them again on this side of eternity. What would you say to him? If you had a day, how would you spend your time? Inevitably, you would talk about life and, and memories, but you would want to share wisdom. You'd want to teach them the things that you had learned. And that's how you can think about the book of Deuteronomy, is Moses doing just that. And when he starts off the book, he starts off with this theme of remembering. Don't forget. Please remember these things. And I love that because it falls in line with that wisdom of those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses isn't pulling any punches when he says, Hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall. You know about them and have heard it said, Who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you. And you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly, as the Lord has promised. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourselves, The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going to take possession of the land. And so he continues to say it again, even at the end of this section, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 6, he says, Understand that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. Dad, gum, Moses, he's really hammering on him. But he's trying to make a point that you are about to walk into this because I ordained it. You are about to go into this land because I carried you there. And I think for a lot of Christians, that is the Christian response. God did it. God did it. Oh, it wasn't me. It was God. And we say that with our mouths, but we do, do we actually believe that with our lives? Because that's what Moses is trying to get at, that if you truly believe that everything that's good in my life is only as a result of God's grace, it changes the way you act and live. Because when I see people who are struggling, I tend to kind of get a little critical of them. Well, if they would just do this and if they would just do that, things would get better. But that position of pride, even though those statements might be true, I don't know the entire story. I don't know their lives. I don't know what things were like. And so I come from this area of pride and ego almost. But if I truly believe in my heart of hearts that every good thing that I have was only by God's grace, there's so much power in that to humble you, to help you remember that, man, I didn't do this. This home, this job, this family... I couldn't have done any of it without God's say-so. If any few little details had changed, so much would be different. Had I not had the right friends in high school, I would have never met my wife today. Had I not worked with this one guy, I would have never ended up in the career that I'm at today. And so to believe in your heart of hearts that you didn't do it, 
it was God. But Moses goes even further. He says, but you know what? There is something you did, and I want you to remember this too. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 7, he says, Remember this and never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And he goes on to bring up these situations like the golden calf on the mountain. Moses went up to go talk to God, and he was gone for just a few days. And they start crafting this this idol, creating their own God instantly. And so what is Moses trying to say here? What is he trying to tell them? I think he's trying to tell them, remember your human nature. Remember what happens when I leave you to your own devices. This is the fruit that you produce. Cling to me. I will show you the way. Follow me. And I know if you're sitting there hearing this, this might sound like a really... uh frustrating or offensive word because for so many of us we have so much baggage in our past that when we start to think about it we start to cringe we start to get these accusations we get these names starting to fly around like worthless dog trash no good and i i would challenge that if you can't remember your past without wincing in pain you're not actually remembering what god told you to you see, because God tells us to remember our guilt. That's what he says with that, that section in Deuteronomy chapter 9, that, that you're guilty. But when we remember the past, but when we remember the past and we hurt and we wince and we cringe, we're not remembering guilt, we're remembering our shame. Very big difference. God says, I want you to remember your guilt, but you get to forget your shame. As I was preparing this, I came across a beautiful quote that said, guilt is the belief that your actions are wrong. Shame is the belief that you are what's wrong. I'll say it again. Guilt is the belief that your actions were wrong. Shame is the belief that you are what's wrong. And that is exactly what shame does. It hurls accusations at you. It calls you names. It tells you that you're no good and there's no point in even trying. In ministry, I get to see a lot of people who battle addictions and have totally wrecked their lives. And so often, I believe it's shame that keeps them in those places. They feel this weight that they're no good, so why would they even try? And it's so easy for us to watch outside of that storm and say, just get it together. But we have no idea what it's like to be in that space. The only way that I can describe the effects of shame, as if you've ever been playing a board game and you're just getting spanked, right? You are so far behind, there's no way you're going to catch up. What do you tend to do? Most people tend to just goof off. They'll keep playing, but they're just going to piddle around and laugh and try to frustrate people. But they've effectively given up because the road back, the road back is just way too far. It's way too long. I'll never get there. And I think that's what shame does. If you think about the New Testament, And how they talk about Satan. They call him the deceiver, the author of lies. That is his only tactic to try to get you to believe that you're nothing. And to be honest, in this world, what else would you have? I mean, if there is no God and you beat your wife or you abused your children or, heaven forbid, did something even worse, 
what hope is there for you to be able to move on from that? I, I think about that weightiness. So many of us have experienced trauma through childhood or through the service and the military or, or some other event where some evil person hurt you. And then it started to twist your view of the world. And because of that, you made some really bad decisions. How can you break free from that if there is no God? Because what's interesting is, even though we have to remember our guilt, we get to forget our shame. I think about people like Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus for just a few pieces of silver. He couldn't live with himself, so he hung himself, which makes sense if there's no God. This is all that I am. There's no point in living. But what I love about the Bible is that even though we see a Judas, we get to see a Peter and we get to see a Paul. These guys with tainted and scarred pasts who made really bad decisions like denying who Jesus was or killing Christians like Paul did. And to get to move on from that, to get to shed that off and to live true life. And as I was thinking about this, I, I tried to put myself in like the first century as a Jew. And I'm at this house church, and Paul the Apostle is here. And let's say that I have wrecked my, my life. Maybe I was drinking, and I lost my job, and my family got broken up. My kids got sold into slavery. Or, or maybe I killed someone, and the guilt and the grief is just weighing on me. And then I see Paul, and I know his story, but he's completely free. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's shaking hands, and they're talking. And I'm sitting here wondering, how can he be so free? I didn't do half the awful things that he did. It doesn't make sense. And so then you go and you ask him, Paul, how are you so free? And to me, I think he would answer with something like 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me turn to it real quick. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who lived should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. This new life that doesn't define you by your past. Can you imagine the weight lifted, the burden gone, that I don't have to be known by my past because that's it. God is saying, dude, you don't get to hold on to that shame. I purchased it on the cross. It's no longer yours. You get to be free. You get to be my child. This idea, it gives me goosebumps because if you've ever heard Tony Evans preach, he does this bit about going to the circus and Tony sees this big elephant, and he's not going anywhere. And Tony's baffled. This elephant could do whatever he wants. And he looks down, and he sees this tiny little rope around the elephant's leg. And that rope is connected to a tiny little peg in the ground. And he's just amazed that this elephant isn't going anywhere. And he questions the audience. Do you want to know why that elephant isn't going anywhere? It's because ever since that elephant was little, he had that rope on his leg. And when that elephant fought against that rope, that rope started to burn and scar his leg. 
and it told him that he couldn't go anywhere, that this is where he was going to be. And so as he got older, he learned just to live with that rope on his leg. But as he got older, he had more power, but he didn't know it. And all he has to do is just yank that leg and that rope's going to snap and that peg's going to fly out of the ground and that elephant's going to be free. But he has to know that he's got power. And I think that's the point. We have to realize that we have that power, that we are free from our shame. And so often I think we conflate guilt and shame so we don't think about our past. But that shame still creeps and lingers in our heart. I need to remember what human nature is like. I need to remember what happens when I get in God's way and I try to do things on my own. But at the same time, I get to be completely free from any shame and bitterness. I get to let that go and live new life. I think that is the power of this story. And so as we look at this idea of remembering the past and forgetting it, you're almost you're almost kind of saying the same thing twice, but in a different way. So follow me. The first idea of remembering the past in the right way, that I'm the one that's guilty and God is the one that's in charge. If I can just state, who am I? That statement right there, who am I? When King David is wanting to build God a temple and God kind of says, no, nah, you're not going to be the guy. If you were, I would tell you. And David says to him, who am I and what is my family that you have taken me this far? It's a statement of surrender saying, I am nothing but a speck of dust, yet you know me by name and you're for me. When we can say it like that, when we can truly believe that, man, I am only here because you allow it. Then when we ask the question with an honest heart, who am I? Do you hear the tone difference? Who am I? Versus, who am I? You see, when we ask it that way, when we really question, am I this, am I that? I'm hearing these voices, I'm hearing these names. God says, I'll tell you exactly who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. You are mine. And your past does not define you. I purchased your past. That shame is as far as the east is from the west. And if you've ever thought about that idea, Jesus, that God removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. I want you to sit here and think about how far apart that is. You see, because on earth, there comes a point, if I walk north long enough, I'll eventually turn and I'll start heading south. That's a measurable difference from north to south on this earth. But if I start walking east, I'll never stop walking east. If I start walking west, I'll never stop walking west. What they're saying is that it is so far removed from you, it's immeasurable. And that is the power of remembering the past and forgetting it. And so I hope that makes sense. I hope you understand that you have a God that loves you and adores you. He's here to convict you, not to condemn you. But he's also here to comfort you and encourage you. I read a great quote this week about coaches, and it said, A good coach troubles the comfortable and comforts the troubled, I think that's exactly what God's Holy Spirit does. So I hope you go out this next week. I hope you can remember that you are free from shame. But we do need to look back and remember our guilt. And one of the best places for us to do that can be found in communion and in prayer time and just reflecting about how good God is and how far he's taken you. 
So I hope you found something valuable from our conversation today. I hope something connected. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this idea of remembering the past and forgetting it. If you like this episode, please like it and follow the show. Come join us on the Facebook page and interact with us. I'll post an episode and look forward to seeing people engage in the comments, respectfully, of course. Um, But above all else, go out, have a good week, and remember that you are royalty. God loves you. He is here for you. Have a great week. We'll talk soon.